Nehemiah chapter one. We're gonna start off in verse one and it says this. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. I don't know if that's how you say it, but that's what we're going with tonight. Now it happened in the month of Shizlev, which is around November or December, if it were our calendar today, okay? So around November or December, in the 20th year, that's of Artaxerxes, who was the king. He says, as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. Let's pause for a moment before we go any further. Do we have that picture of a map? Do we have that picture? Perfect. Bingo. You guys are the bomb. All right, so here's the deal. Right here you have Israel, and in the dead center of it is Jerusalem which is the home base for the people of Israel. And normally, Israel is doing like real good at this time. Like normally, like Israel's like the place to be, the promised land, the best spot. But right now, they're not doing so hot. And that's because they rebelled against God and they were taken into captivity all the way over in this area to a place called Susa. Now, this is the Persian Empire. All the green area is the Persian Empire. And these folks have come through and taken the people of Israel, destroyed their home, destroyed their places, and brought them back over here. So now they're in like captivity. These folks are made a home away from home. They are not in a spot that is their home. And Nehemiah is here. He serves as the cupbearer to the king in Susa. And Nehemiah is hearing about, he's about to have a little bit of a word come from Jerusalem, which is far off. Y'all see how far this is, right? Like this would be like, uh, you know, New York and Texas. You know what I mean? It's like a long ways away, all right? Yeah, it's four feet, but you know what I mean, all right? Yeah. Thank you, Kenan. Just cover his, all right? I'm just kidding. So here's the deal. Nehemiah gets word of this, and how does he respond? This is what he says. When the people show up, it says, I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped and who had survived the exile, meaning the ones who didn't come to Susa the capital, who are still in Israel. How are they? I asked concerning them, the Jews and the people there. And this is what he says. And they said to me, the remnant, which means a small number, the small number there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble. And shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. Now, <clears throat> if you're taking notes, the first thing you need to write down is this Nehemiah's concern. I got me a marker here. I'm going to grab this as well. Y'all be patient with me. Nehemiah's concern. As soon as he sees his brother Hananiah show up, whatever his name is, he shows up and he says to him, Let's see if this will stay there. Will that stay? Perfect. He says to him, he says, how are my brothers in Jerusalem? And this man's like, dude, it's bad, bro. Like, it's a bad situation. He says, they're in great danger. They're, they're ashamed. They're a mockery to the people all around them. And he says, and check it out. Their walls are destroyed and their gates are burned down. And some of us here today who don't live in castles are trying to figure out what does that mean? What's the big deal about the walls and the gates? Well, let me explain it for you. So if this were the city of Jerusalem, okay? There it is. Nice big oval, all right? That's not drawn to scale. Here's the deal. If this is the city of Jerusalem, what this means is that there would be a gate here, 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 here. I think there's like 12 total around this whole city. 
Well, the walls are broken down and the gates have been burned with fire. So basically, this place has got a very few walls that are still standing. Everything else is just rubble destroyed by the people. And you're like, well, what's the big deal? Like, it's just walls. Don't they still have their home base to do their own thing? Here's the problem. When the walls are down, when the gates are burned, the enemy can come and go as he pleases to do whatever he wants to the people of Jerusalem. And so what you have are enemies all around them that are attacking Jerusalem. These guys are in the struggle bus if there ever was one. I'm just telling you, it's a bad position to be in. The walls and the gates weren't there because they looked good. They were there to protect the people. And the walls and the gates have been burned and destroyed. I need you to understand this. This is a big deal for the people of Israel. So how does Nehemiah respond? Does he say, hey, man, I hope it's all good, man. I'll be praying for you. You know, is that how he responds? You know? Let's check it out. Nehemiah's concern, Nehemiah's compassion. Let's read it together. Verse 4. As soon as I heard these words... I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So check this out. Nehemiah is not casual about what he hears about them. Man, he is deeply concerned about the people of Israel. It has hit him to the heart. So this is what he says. He says, when he hears the news, the man sits down. He's taken back. And next thing he says is I start weeping. I mean, like, this is ugly crying. It's not like a tear shed. It's ugly crying, weeping. And then he starts mourning. And what this is, it's like, it's like a deep pain over someone else's sorrow. You ever had something bad happen to a friend or someone, and you just feel the weight of it? It's like you bear the burden with them. Like what they're experiencing is what you're experiencing too. That's what he's talking about. Like, I was mourning over these people. And then he says, I began fasting. What is fasting? Anybody want to give me a shout out of what that is? I'm going to go right here to the very back. Right here. No, no, you. I got you. Come on, right here. Bingo, bro. He said it's whenever you take a period of time and you choose not to eat food, but you delight, you rather turn your attention, your appetite, your desire towards the Lord, which sounds crazy, right? Because I'm like, man, where's the cheeseburger at? You know, like skipping a meal? Are you tripping? Like there's no chance. But Nehemiah said this. He said, no, no, no. I don't care about eating the food today. I don't care about eating the king's meat. I don't care about grabbing the steak for dinner. He says, what I want is the Lord's face. Like I long, I'm, I'm longing for the Lord to turn his attention, his eyes, his ears, and his heart towards, towards the people of Israel. Like, Lord, do you not see them? I'm going to get on my face every single day, and I'm going to cry out, God, would you not heal our land? Would you not turn to us? Would you not save us? See, Nehemiah wasn't casual about it. He didn't just hear about the bad news and just say, man, I hope it works out, bro. Like, that's not how he responded. Nehemiah was broken. He was going to bear the burdens for the, the ruin of the people of Israel. He wasn't mad or upset because walls and gates were messed up. He's not cared about the aesthetics of the castle. He's worried about the people. Because when the walls are down, the enemy has full throttle in and out of the castle as much as he wants to come do whatever he needs. There's no protection. There's no defense. The people are 
at a disadvantage. The people are in ruin. He's broken for God's people, the kingdom of God. I think if I were to ask you about if you've ever experienced this kind of remorse or brokenness or mourning to where it led you to where daily you were praying and fasting, where you were pursuing the Lord, I would guess that most of us in the room have probably never experienced that. So let me just be frank with you. When we talk about this tonight, I'm praying that God would enlighten our hearts to have the same heartbeat of Nehemiah today. The same heartbeat. And you know what, le- you know what like, sh- like sprouted out of this right here? Nehemiah's prayer was like this. He gave a confession about the Lord and about his sin and the people's sin. In verse 5 it says this, And I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night. This was a man who prayed every single day, every single night to the God with a prayer like this. And this is what he talks about. He's not just talking about a random like, oh, Lord, we love you about this or this. Man, he is calling out the character of God. He says, my God is a God who is great. My God is a God who is awesome. My God is a God who is steadfast. My God is a God who keeps his covenant. This is my God. And you know what's crazy is when you look and see the glimpse of who God is, the full character of God, you can't help but look at yourself and say, man, woe is me. Like, I'm a sinner. I am broken. I am messed up. And I make mistakes every single day. And that's what he says here. He looks to God, and he's like, man, my God is awesome. He looks at him like, man, we are filthy, man. We're wicked. And this is what he says. He doesn't just lift up the character of God, but he starts to confess the sin of man. And this is what he says next, which is so good. I just want you to know, when you see the character of God, you can't help but fall down on your face and say, man, I am broken. I am messed up. Have mercy and grace on me. If you don't take that posture, I would ask you this. Have you really come to know the character of God? We just sang it. Our God is holy, holy, holy. He is awesome. He is great. He is steadfast and he keeps his covenant. So this is what he says. He says, this is my character of my God, but here's the character of us. This is where we're at. And this is what he says. It's so rich. He says, I believe this is verse six. We have it on the screen. Let's see if we can pull it verse six. It's coming. Verse six says this. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants. We don't have it? Okay, that's all right. That's cool. I'm going to read it for y'all, okay? Verse 6 says this. Confessing the sins of the people of Israel. First of all, that's just wild. I mean, who, who asks for God to forgive someone else for their sins? No, we always ask for ourselves, right? But Nehemiah's like, no, no, no. Listen, I know what Garrett Whitehorn did. Would you forgive him for his sins? You know, like that's what it's, I'm I'm just kidding, guys. Garrett's my boy, all right? I'm just telling you. But it'd be like, Lord, I know what Israel's done. They have rebelled against you, and that's why we're in this position today. Would you forgive their iniquity? Would you forgive their sin and their wickedness? Would you forgive them? 
And then he doesn't just say there. He says, would you also, which we have sinned against you, even I and my father's house have sinned. He says, not just Israel, but my family has sinned and I have sinned, Lord. Like, would you have mercy and grace to forgive us of our sins? Which is so good. He's, he's trying to paint a picture here of this, that, Lord, I'm crying out to you. You're the only one who can fix this. It's in your character to fix this, although we do not deserve it. So, Lord, we come to you and say we're sorry. We have failed you. We have messed up. And then he rolls into this. This is so rich. Nehemiah's not just got a concern for the people of Israel or have compassion that he shows the people of Israel, but, man, he also has a confession where he gets on his face and he's praying this day in and night out. I don't know if that's the right phrase. Day in and night out, every single week, lifting high this. And this is what he says in the end of his prayer. It's the Nehemiah's claim. He claims something here about God in his prayer. He's not bushing around saying, like, man, Israel's great and you should do something for me. He says, no, 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 I'm claiming what you've said, God. And that's what he goes to. He says that I'm going to claim the promises of God. Verse 8 says this. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses. Check this out right here. It's on the screen. Bingo. Thank you all. This word remember is throughout all of Nehemiah. You're going to see it all the time. But Nehemiah is saying, remember the word, God. Don't forget what you said that you promised to your servant Moses. This is from Deuteronomy. I believe it's chapter 4 in Leviticus 26. If you're taking notes, Deuteronomy 4 in Leviticus 26, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. Go to the next verse. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though you are outcast or in the uttermost parts of the heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. If you're taking notes, this is what he claims, the promises of God. This is it. Number one, he says, if you rebel, if you rebel from God, if you stiff arm the Lord, if you say, I don't want anything to do with what the Lord's got for me, I don't want to follow his commands, I'm going to choose to be unfaithful towards him. He says, this is what's going to happen. He says, you will be scattered among the nations. Is that not what just happened here? The city was destroyed. The people were taken out of Israel, taken to Susa, the capital, and the Persian Empire all over. They're no longer in their home village anymore. They're gone all over the world. Why? Because it was a discipline from the Lord when they rebelled against him. As they were kicking and screaming against the Lord, man, fighting against him, the Lord gave them over to their sin, and it led them in a path of discipline and curses all in their life. And he says, so if you rebel... Man, you're going to be scattered among the nations. But if you return, if you repent, if you come back to me, he says, I will gather you back as one nation. I will bring you back together. I will turn the curses into blessings. I will overthrow the enemies and the challenge in your life. I will, I will be with you in a whole new way when you will return to me. That's what Nehemiah is claiming. He says, I'm going to return to you. I'm going to be the lighthouse in the middle of the storm. And I'm going to shine bright my faith as a beacon of hope, begging my God to save us, to redeem us. And then the second thing is that he didn't just claim the promises of God, but he claims that they're the possession of God. They're a people of God. If you keep reading, it says, we are your servants and your people. And then he finishes with this. This is what he goes to next. The last part of his prayer. He says, you hold the power of God. 
He says, out of your righteous right hand, you redeemed us and called us your own, your very own people. Would you, God, pour out from heaven today and show us favor to save us again? What you see here is this. And we're going to talk practical for you guys. What you see here is that there used to be a really good picture where God and Israel were walking together. Yet as over time went by, their hearts grew hard to the Lord. They began to disobey and grow unfaithful. And what happened was there was a separation to where one of them was over here. The man was doing his own thing and God was over here. They were not walking in his ways. And what happens is, is God would allow them to discipline and they would be sent all over the world. And the Lord wants them to return to him. And Nehemiah is praying for them to return to him. So Nehemiah is praying, confessing the sin of Israel, confessing where they've messed up, and crying out for God to move. And that is where chapter 1, that is the snapshot of what we see. If you stick around for next week, you'll see that we have the conversation that Nehemiah has with the king. And it's, a, it's incredible. Y'all are going to love it. Next week is so much fun. And y'all are gonna, it's going to be a whole new setup of what we got in the room. It's going to be a lot. It's going to be just cool. I'm just going to tell you straight up. But what does this mean this week? Let me tell you what I'm thinking. I'm going to put that right there, okay? Y'all cool with that? Okay. All right, so here's the deal. The question is this. What does Jerusalem have to do with you today? I would make the argument that we are not worried about physical walls that are down or gates that are burned. But I think that there's a Jerusalem in all of our hearts. A Jerusalem that the Lord has redeemed and reconciled and worked in, but the gates and the walls of our heart have been compromised. Let me explain. I think there used to be a gate in a lot of lies right here of purity. The gate of purity where you used to guard your heart, you used to guard what you would see with your eyes, what you would guard, what you would hear music-wise, what you'd watch on the internet or videos, something like that. There used to be guards up. But man, those walls have been destroyed, and the enemy can come and go as he wants. I believe that there used to be a wall of I'll spell it right. Humility. There used to be a wall of humility that used to walk in a humble attitude, serving others, blessing others. But I think I think pride has made its way in, and this wall is down, and it's a struggle to fight for humility anymore. I think there used to be a wall of Speech that was wholesome, that honored the Lord in a lot of ways, it used to be holy and pure. But man, that gate, that wall is burned down. And I hear so many students who are cussing and saying foul jokes and saying things that should never have been said amongst this generation. I look around and see people who are so consumed with what happens on social media 
They compare themselves to influencers and people around them. They think that that is what the life is supposed to be, that they've lost their identity in Christ. But their identity is found out in what other people think about them. And this wall of identity is in shambles. I see it especially amongst our ladies, but don't even front. Guys are dealing with this too. When you see people left and right, what else? What are other things that middle school students are dealing with right now? Y'all can give me an answer. It's fine. Music, man. Music's a big one. I heard someone laugh. Man, don't laugh at that. That's real. That's a real struggle. School, man. I think that's just an obstacle in life. I don't know if that's a, a wall there, but I'm with you, bro. What else? Beauty. Hang on. Y'all, how about y'all raise your hand for me? Beauty. Who else is some Pride? COVID's been a struggle. Raise your hand for me. What you got back here, Maddox? Self-love, man. Self-love. Anybody, everybody ever dealt with anxiety? Yeah. How about anxiety there? Man, fear. What you got? Selflessness. Listen, I'm going to tell y'all, every one of y'all could go in this room, and y'all could talk about the struggles, man. Every one of y'all could talk about things that you, da- you deal with. All of y'all. And I, I realize some of y'all struggles in this room are different than the person sitting next to you. But I want you to realize this, that the person sitting next to you has their own struggles too. My question is this, is do you have any concern about the walls and the gates that are down in our hearts? Do you care? Hey, I'm looking at you right there. Do y'all care? Do you care about your brother or sister next to you that's struggling? Do you bear that burden? I would be real with you, like just straight up. If a Nehemiah doesn't rise up in this group, why would God ever allow you to rebuild the walls and the gates on the people all around you? Why would he redeem and solve and rebuild and fix all of these challenges and struggles you're dealing with if no one in this room will rise up and say, I'll be a Nehemiah. I'll get on my face and I'll pray. I'll seek the face of God. I'm going to beg out. I'm going to cry out every day. I'm going to go to the Lord, and I'm just going to knock at his door. Lord, would you please turn your ear, turn your eye, turn your heart towards our people, towards this generation of middle school students, because we don't want to be like the world, man. We want to be all in. I want what God's got. I don't want to be in shambles. I don't want to walk in the ruin and the rubble of the Jerusalem ahead of me. I want what the Lord has. When will Nehemiah's rise up? Who's going to seek the face of God in this room right here? Who's going to grab your Bible and say, Lord, I don't care about eating the choice meat today. I just want your word. I just want what you have for me. Would you turn your face towards us? Because we're in desperate need. I think there's a generation right here that the whole future of Memphis, Tennessee could be shaped and changed by if you would take on the burden to repair the walls of Jerusalem amongst right here. Like, what if you started holding each other accountable and said, man, listen, how is your walk with the Lord? Are you reading your Bible? 
I've been praying for you. How's your struggle here? I've been lifting you up before the Lord every morning when I wake up and every night before I go to bed. I got a flashcard in my bathroom as I'm brushing my teeth. I'm thinking about you. When will the men and women raise up in this room right here and say, man, I'm all in with Jesus. I got your back, bro. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to think about you. I'm going to lift you up before the Lord until the Lord answers that prayer. You know how long Nehemiah prayed? This wasn't a flash in the pan. This wasn't like a Sunday night deal and he was dunzos for the week and all his problems were solved. This man prayed from the month of Nisan to the month of Chislev, which is November, December, all the way to March, April. That is four months. Four months he would go every day and every night to the Lord on behalf of the people of Israel until God would move in the heart of King Artaxerxes and move and allow him to go to start the building of the walls in Jerusalem. I'm not talking just a Wednesday night fling, a Wednesday night pop-up. I'm talking about laboring over the people next to you at the mix. I'm talking about laboring in prayer for a long time. When will those Nehemiahs rise up? That's what I'm praying for. That's what I'm praying for. I just, I see high schoolers come through our ministry that were doing great or doing good or doing even mediocre in middle school following the Lord. And they get to high school, man, and they're just, they get trapped up in the ways of the world and they're doing their thing and they look just like Jerusalem today. I don't want that for you guys. I don't want it for you. I don't want you to struggle like that. I don't want you to question truth. I don't want you to question whether God loves you. I don't want you to question about who you are and who God created you to be. I don't want you to struggle with temptation. I don't want you to have a bad reputation because you've fallen into sin. I just don't want it for you. I want you to walk in holiness and purity and righteousness before God and experience all that he has for you. Isn't that what y'all want? I I promise There's no way to accomplish that unless you're at the face of Jesus every single day. So I ask you now, middle school students, will anyone join me in praying and seeking the face of God until he would open up the heavens and pour it out on this group right here? Until God would open up the heavens and pour out his spirit and he would move in a mighty way to where all of us Or like Nehemiah, when we look at the character of God, we fall on our face, amazed at how great and awesome he is and how desperate we need him. Can y'all join me in that? Can y'all be a part of that? Y'all with me? Y'all think I'm mad tonight or y'all think I'm happy? Y'all think I'm mad? Yes. I'm not mad. I love you guys. My heart is heavy. My heart is heavy because I hear stories of you who are dealing with the hard stuff right now. I hear about it all the time. You talk to it to Garrett and to Abby and to Morgan. Y'all talk about it, about the struggles of middle school. And I want you to know you're not alone. I just want you to know there's a hope. There is a beacon of a lighthouse that is shining bright in the midst of the storm that wants to offer you shelter and haven. The question is, will you approach the lighthouse of Jesus Christ? Will you draw near and experience the comfort away from the storm? 